Hello and welcome back to the Marvellous Cinema Podcast. I'm your co-host Matthew. And I'm your hoodical host Henry. We are back listening, being piped into your eardrums. <laughs> this time <laughs> this time to discuss Star Wars to follow up on the reviews we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't, you can go check them out on Instagram if you haven't already seen them. Mm-hmm. It's um, at Marvellous Cinema Podcast or on Twitter at Cinema Marvellous. We've been through... We've been through almost everything. We 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 did we did miss two things, technically speaking. Did we? In that we haven't done the Clone Wars film. Oh. And there yeah. was also there's also another animated series called Resistance. The holiday special. Mm, oh yes, it's the holiday special as well. <laughs> of which have... we're getting a new one. Oh yeah, we're getting a Lego one, which is an interesting route to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the photo of them all um, facing off against each other and there's Darth Maul? Yeah. It's like just his top off. <laughs> legs. Also, I saw um, um, Ray fighting Darth Vader, which seems wrong, but also kind of cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I like it. Yeah, all good. Yeah. Um, so, that's the holiday special. It's just Christmas, isn't it? Sure, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Might as well be. Are we finally going to get a good holiday special? Finally. We've all been waiting for it. Uh, more anticipated than episode yeah. 7. <laughs> yeah. It's what fans really wanted. Yeah, it's beyond uh, the mind. Yeah, I wonder if now people will stop, stop criticising Kathleen Kennedy because they'll say she has finally given us a holiday special. You know what people will say? People will say that it hasn't. it wasn't as good as the original... Um, Hall of this vessel, <laughs> and therefore she has ruined it. She's just ruined a whole of this vessel, which you know yeah. is impossible almost. <laughs> oh, the wonders of the Star Wars fan base. God, it's so lovely to be there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, optimistic stuff. Um, so we're doing this in two parts. Mm-hmm. We're ranking the Star Wars films slash TV shows slash one TV show uh, live action and two animated. Um, yes. Don't worry, I'll be buttering many more lines like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to do 14 to 8 to the bottom yep. half of our rankings. And then next week you'll be treated to 7 to 1. Mm-hmm. But for now, would you like to kick us off? Yes, I will. Okay. Number so 14. Number 14. My final, my least favourite, the one I ignore, the one I kind of pretend doesn't exist. Um, Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. is my Law War saga. Um, I feel like with this film, it's it's every like problem you might have had with the first Phantom Menace entry, but like times 10. <laughs> um <laughs> Because I feel, okay, we'll get to it, obviously, but with Five Minutes, there's a lot of problems, and it's, lo- it's quite a weird film overall. But this film just adds, like, a a level of, like, ah, uh, you're not even getting the fun right in, like, some ways. Because, <laughs> like, like, they add this romance plot, and <clears throat> and for me, I, the thing is, I always think this when I, whenever I think about this movie, is that um, a Star Wars movie that is primarily a romance it's like a really great idea, and I love the idea of doing that. Um, um, and I, one of my favorite genre, genres is like the romantic uh, genre or the rom com. So, like, seeing that ingrained into 
John Williams music and Star Wars planets is like a really just great idea to me. But the actual romance in this movie, it's so off-putting that it just drags the entire movie down and it just it makes you wonder what romance even is. <laughs> <laughs> because like the way they I mean the thing I think the most famous example really is the um is the uh when um Anakin is um cutting the pear in half and does uses the force to handle it over to Padme and Padme eats the CGI pear. Um the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So weird. And and it's like a really romantic, intimate, sort of cutesy moment. Um but it just reads as awkward, not just because of like the performances or the fact that they're just in a blue screen environment and they have no idea what they're doing. Um, or the dialogue, or the fact that that is even happening. It's just the fact that it all looks so thick. Like, the pair, the, the plate, the table, the setting around them, it all looks like they're literally sitting on a blue block and, <laughs> like, in a blue room, and they are just looking out into the void. And they're waving down the same day, um, it looks like, anyway. Um, and, yeah, I think that's kind of the Anakin plot of this movie is very much it shouldn't be because it's it's Anakin it's the father of Luke Skywalker it's like the character that we have kind of made a story up in our minds about for so many years and it ends up being this kind of one note cheesy romantic thing which isn't inherently bad like I think like cheesy romance can work very well but this feels more like you didn't know how to write romantic dialogue and therefore you just did you just read poetry <laughs> um, and just put it in this movie. Um, and then aside from that as well, the whole Obi-Wan and his plot, which is slightly more interesting and slightly better done. But the fact that he is, for the majority of it, just walking around and getting told information and then once again getting told information, sometimes the same information, um, there's very, very little, like, dramatic sort of heft to this movie um no one really makes that many dramatic choices in the movie and people don't really seem to have that that much conflict aside from the fact that they're getting tall information or just moving from plot beat to plot beat um and it all culminates in that in a in an iffy finale for me where i'm kind of like it's a generally like big step in front for like cgi and models and all this but I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> like, it's like kind of a light show at some points of just like CGI clone troopers against CGI droids, all of which I have no connection to at this point in the franchise. Um, and the lightsaber, like the actual Jedi that are fighting, looks so awkward. <laughs> it, I mean, at one point is a there's a moment in Attack of the Clones where everyone is posing with the lightsabers, like because like they've been introduced into the battle, and um, you can see one guy just like doing a force push but like to nothing so like he's clearly told he's clearly in front of blue screen and George Lucas or whoever just said just do something like a Jedi and he said oh force push but like he doesn't do anything <laughs> and it's just really awkward to look at um, yeah it's a it's my least favorite by far and I kind of avoid it at all cost even if I it's only in a marathon sort of thing if I'm going to actually see this movie um, again would you agree that this is a, a iffy movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. 
Um, I would agree with you that if the only way I'd watch this, and I suppose you could also apply it to Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. would be if it was part of me going through the entire series. Yeah. I've I've never really felt the desire to, ooh, let's watch Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I need um, to see this. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that again. That pair, whoa. Yeah. Can't wait sure. to see that again. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it's I I haven't placed the bottom in mind. Right. For me, Fa- uh, Phantom Menace is is bottom. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, yeah. I I do feel like there are a few redeeming qualities. Like I feel like Obi Wan's a massive step up. He is. Yeah, he is better in this movie. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's better than he is in Phantom Menace. He does things in this one. <laughs> Um, I think I think the best way I could describe it is that um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and get this right. If you were to imagine like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones as two graphs, <laughs> like yeah. powerful imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Phantom Menace you have you have like a, a quite a steady but low enjoyment rate, which <laughs> spikes at the yeah. end. Yeah, with yeah. the Jewel of the Fates, and then it ends. Whereas <laughs> Attack of the Clones is it's constant, but it's a constant higher than the one in Phantom Menace, but it just doesn't peak at the end. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah, I yeah, I know what you like mean. I, it's... Like I feel like it's overall a better quality, but it doesn't no, have the... that standout moment. Yeah, I I get what you mean by that because in my mind I always look at episode one as like some sort of weird, unimportant, almost like prelude to the actual start. Mm. And episode two feels like the actual episode one, if that makes sense. Like it feels like Anakin Obi Wan in Jedi Academy, um, Sidious is rising the power, and all these other things. Whereas the first one definitely feels a bit more like where does having fun in Star Wars land? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I can I get what you mean by that. Um, but for me, the I think like the the overall kind of importance of this movie is kind of what makes it so sad to watch in so many ways. Like the fact that this is the very much the first introdu- introduction to Anakin Obi Wan's friendship and Padme and um, Sidious's rise to power and all these sort of things. The fact that this is the first time we see all this and it's the first time it's been properly done. Um, and Yoda being like a actual kind of leader and stuff like that. It's depressing how much it's just not enjoyable to watch in any sort of like way. It's just kind mm. of okay. We're doing Anakin Obi Wan because it's made famous in the canon of Star Wars that they're friends. Therefore, we'll just tell them tell the audience in, ele- in one elevator scene that they are friends. Mm. Um, you just, at the end of every sentence, Obi Wan says, "My young Padawan." <laughs> He does, yeah. It may as well just, <laughs> may as well just broken character looks down the camera and said, "We're best mates." Yeah, we are best mates. One day you, I will kill you. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's. And I do feel like they have some good chemistry. Like I don't think it's all just like telling. I do think that in the the speeder chase in like Coruscant near the beginning is quite. I feel like that's kind of a highlight in the film for me. Um, and I do think you get a lot of good dun- uh, dynamics between the two of the characters um, from that. But again, similar to episode three as well, which I do think is better, but 
we spend the entire middle chapter of this free arc story. Um, well, the, the free act, the second act in both movies, um, Anakin Obi Wan never see each other the entire time. It's just kind of like they're we get told that they're friends at the beginning. They go off and do their own thing in the middle, and then they'll vaguely come together at the end to do something. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like in Obi Wan's case we get the growth of Obi Wan. I don't really feel like we're watching Obi Wan become a more like a better human being or a worse human being or anything like that. I just feel like we're watching him discover the plot, um, which has no effect upon him. Um, no, it doesn't. And on top of that, yeah, it's kind of like he's. It's kind of it's cool that he's going on some sort of like detective noir sort of thing, where he's uncovering a mystery. But at the same time, this mystery has no effect on him whatsoever until again where it's just a big war happens. Um, and on top of all this, as well, we have the very. I find it so awkward in this movie because I just forget that it exists. Um, we get the whole introduction to Boba Fett and Danko Fett, and I don't get the need for it. I never have. I like. I understand people love Boba Fett and think he's really cool, and they are disappointed about how he maybe died in Return of the Jedi. Um, but I never understood like why he's in this film at all, and why we're explaining his backstory even remotely. Because we don't even really explain his backstory, really. He's sort of there doing clone stuff, and it's not interesting to me at all. And then Django just dies by Mace Windu's hand and it has no effect <laughs> aside from the Clone Wars TV show which is a different story but yeah I'm not it's weird this movie Free odd inclusion. <laughs> yeah I always feel like it's like out of all the things in the prequels that aren't really fan service I feel like that's the most like fan service we ever got with the prequels because it was so it's the thing you love and we're going to over explain it to you because you love it so much from the, from the other thing um and it just doesn't work whatsoever for me. Um, and yeah, I, I don't hate this film, but I don't have any strong feelings aside from just a general kind of like hand wafting, it exists <laughs> sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, so my my bottom one is Phantom Menace, as I said. Right. Um, mainly because it's so weird. Even if you were asked, explain Phantom Menace to a complete stranger. <laughs> I would still be like, it's, it's about two Jedi and they do some stuff and then end up on Tatooine and meet a kid <laughs> who likes to race some things. Mm-hmm. And then they take the kid away from his mum, leave his mum. And then one of them dies. And one of them dies in a, a, a pretty cool lightsaber battle. Yeah. That for some reason is interspersed with the kid flying about destroying stuff in space. <laughs> yeah. That this what was it what was the line again? Um we'll do a spin, that's a neat trick. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Uh, I love such, Star Wars. It's just, <laughs> just such a weird film. It that, is. I feel like nothing happens. It's it's but, like, but it's, like uh, it's supposed to be a lot is supposed to happen. If you know what I mean. It is. Like, yeah. 
we're supposed to be introduced to the galaxy introduced to the jedi and we've got this this big big war starting the sith have re-emerged mm-hmm. yeah i'm watching it and I, I just i just don't get the feeling like the sith re-emerging is a big deal it's, yeah, not, I see it. it's not until the end where mace windu and yoda are like there's always two of them mm-hmm. i'm sorry what <laughs> yeah <laughs> What is that rule? <laughs> I mean, I thought I, I was because I was obviously it's supposed to be a, a big thing that Darth Maul's shown up. They haven't seen a Sith for however long. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that, as far as we're aware. That, as far as we're aware, Qui Gon Jinn regularly gets jumped by hundred dudes with red lightsabers. Yeah, because they just treat it like normal. They're just like, oh, he's it got happens. a red lightsaber. Let's duel. Yeah, it happens. And then they go onto the ship and then go to Coruscant, I think. And I don't think they mention it ever again, aside from like an offhand comment in the council and then they leave and nothing nothing really comes from it. Like no, no. one says like no one says let's, let's investigate this matter of a red lightsaber person coming up out of nowhere. They kinda of wait until he sort up to do duel the theatre at the end. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of it's, it. it's all like we just got jumped by this guy not in the plane. So that was weird. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he says, and he says, Anakin, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we go, ah. <laughs> well, yeah. And then we go, oh, I forgot Obi-Wan was here. Yeah. Because yeah. he does nothing. It's incredible to me that when you're making a prequel to um, the trilogy that we all know, the original trilogy, that they didn't just say, like, let's make the main character Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because, like, he's not the main character for the majority of these movies, and when he does have moments of being our main point of view, he's not really being a character, he's just more doing the action side of the, of the movie, if that makes sense. Like, he's, mm-hmm. whilst we watch Padme and Anakin fall in love, or watch Anakin fall to the dark side, we watch him do some cool action things that are very Star Wars-y. And rather than feeling like an actual plot structure or an emotional journey, it feels more like, okay, I'm going to tell one story, but we do realize that kids are watching this, therefore here's some action with ten lightsabers. <laughs> um, mm. And that's kind of what we want in these movies, and it's really sad. <laughs> yeah, and also, especially the introduction to the Jedi, mm-hmm. obviously we spend the film with Qui-Gon, who is maybe our protagonist, who really knows. Maybe. Um, it could be Watto for all I know. <laughs> um, and we introduced the Jedi. And all we really have is a council meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're off. Yeah, that's it. Then we see him again at the end. But the, the thing that always sticks out to me in my mind is that um, obviously you have Samuel L. Jackson who is in these films. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't... He doesn't really do anything until Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And if you were to watch, just... if if you were to watch Phantom Menace, imagine it's nineteen ninety nine. You're told, oh my god, Samuel L. Jackson's going to be in the new Star Wars film. I would. Freak How cool out. is that? Yeah. And then he's in one scene. Doesn't even activate his lightsaber. I would expect him to be some sort of like grey or like evil Jedi or evil Sith person because he's sort of like a a charismatic sort of like. I could believe him as like some sort of outlandish villain character, um, compared to number seventeen 
stoic Jedi Council member, <laughs> um, which is what he is, sadly. Yeah. And he's just, he's just a bit of a dick. Yeah. And again, <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It, Jedi Council is so weird because I feel like what I love about the Jedi Council from the prequels is very much from the idea of like a, a thematic sort of viewpoint of like the fall of the Jedi Order and like how we're going to compare them from Rise of Skywalker to Phantom Menace. Um, but from like a movie to movie basis as like a plot as a movie of two hours long, it's amazing how much they go to the Jedi Council so many times in, in this trilogy. And at no point did it ever give any one of them like a discernible personality. Like, aside from our connection to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, um, Yoda and Mace Windu are the same character in this movie because they are just stoic Jedi people that give advice. Um, at the most we ever get, really, from differences in the trilogy, this trilogy is that Mace Windu is a bit on... He breaks rules near the end of Revenge of the Sith, and that's kind of it, really. Um, like if- uh, like yeah. what we know now is that Mace Windu was supposed to be this guy that's, like I say, breaking a few rules. Mm-hmm. But if you were to watch the films, you really don't get that. No. In no. fact, if you, especially if you were to watch the Revenge of the Sith, you would think this guy is the most Jedi Jedi. I yeah, I always assumed he was going to be like the most the most Jedi. If that makes sense, like mm. he's the most like political, uh, rule abiding sort of Jedi person, but. Yeah, it's, it doesn't come across at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, and this appears in the clone in the, in the Clone Wars. What I'm about to talk about, but you know, Kerry Mundy, or as I affectionately call him, Conehead. <laughs> yes. Um, example is in, in the Clone Wars. There's a Clone Wars arc where um, the end of season six, I think, the final arc where Yoda sort of. Yoda, I think he faints or something. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't feel well. And Keanu Mundi's immediate reaction is, oh, he's gone to the dark side. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Why are you... Why Yoda? You've yeah. known him for like, well, pretty much for the entirety of your life. Well, 100 years at least. And all of a sudden... He's gone to the dark side because he's fainted. Look, we've all had a nap one time, right? I woke up on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um... And that, that's, that's, just, that, that's just to me, it's just the... The Jedi are all stoic until you need one of them to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all kind of like wise people that aren't really that wise. And I kind of enjoy that. I feel like... Mm, yeah. What I love from the prequels is the ideas behind it all. Like, I love the idea of a corrupt Jedi Order or, uh, or like, Anakin's... Um, the, the reason that Anakin became Darth Vader was because of the Jedi sort of taking him away from his mother and kind of not allowing him, allowing him to love or have any sort of relationships. Um, I love these ideas a lot. And I feel like, in, like, a macro level of, like, the entire saga, I think the prequels work pretty well. And I think that they add a lot of meaning to the saga it wouldn't be there otherwise um but unlike uh i just don't i feel like it could have been done better in a sense i would love to see the first movie introduce you to like a lovable crew of jedis that are really cool and nice and good people and then in the second movie or maybe by the end of this movie see them kind of take a dark turn towards being too stoic or too rule abiding um or political 
I feel like that would work a lot better as an actual arc and not just like a matter of fact. Um, mm. And yeah, I feel that's a lot of what these prequels are. It's a lot of matter of fact and not a lot of actual development. It's sort of like we know that Anakin's going to be a dark side person or everyone's going to be like an old hermit. So let's just let's just get there and not develop there. That makes sense. Like, let's just make sure we're going in that direction and do some cool special effects on the way. Mm. <laughs> um, and you know what? Yeah, yeah. If you're going for that, do it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they're going to do that, I mean, they do achieve that. Like, they do yeah. get there. And there's a lot of cool effects in, in these moves that are very much landmarks. But, um, yeah, I wish to her better as Axel, like, two-hour experiences. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think one of the... You said there about him jumping about. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's evident in the fact that the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, they flow into each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas these three prequel films, they jump about so much between them. Yeah. And one of the, one of the major things I find so weird about this is that... I've mentioned it before, I think I mentioned it when we did our episode specifically on the prequels. Mm-hmm. But our first... If, if, if you were to watch them as they were released, if you were to watch them considering before Phantom Menace, all you'd seen was the original trilogy, you'd maybe read a bit of the canon um, extra material. Yeah. But all you're really introduced to this era is, you know that Darth Vader was, was everyone's apprentice mm-hmm. turned to the dark side and the only other reference to this era is the Clone Wars <laughs> yeah and the Clone Wars don't happen in the films no and it's really. so weird to me that the when these films were made the Clone Wars was relegated to the thing that happens in between 2 and 3 <laughs> yeah like um you have, and then they did the the very, the very first Clone Wars animated series, the two D animation, which if you haven't seen it is it's pretty good, particularly the Grievous bit one, mm-hmm. yeah, which fill the gap in. They show some of the Clone Wars, but I'd have thought that shouldn't be like an in between animated thing. I feel that should be that should be the prequel trilogy in a way. It's, I mean, I, yeah, I think it does. I think there's a place there, there. Even if that was the case, there would be a place for the Clone Wars as a TV show, it's like show mm-hmm. anthology battles, and I think that works really well. But I would have expected it to be sort of maybe at the end of Phantom Menace, they're like the Clone Wars have started, yeah, and then maybe Episode Two be um, some key battles or a key turning point, and then have. Avenger of the Sith be the end of the Clone Wars because I think it, it works really well mm-hmm. having yeah. Avenger of the Sith detail the end of the war as it is mm-hmm. but we just haven't seen the war yeah it's and I feel like if you're the general consensus of consensus I think of the prequel trilogy at the time especially when we were like expecting everyone was expecting some sort of great big Clone War sort of set saga um, is the fact that the first two movies don't really feel like Star Wars, if that makes sense. Because like, they feel very much like there's no real grime or grit to them in the sense that in the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy, there's an impending doom about the entire ex- experience. There's like always, you're always like the little guy in the story. Um, 
whereas in the prequel trilogy we get a lot of we're just living in high high, high society and kind of just doing little bits and pieces missions um, on different planets every once in a while instead of like, instead of like some sort of overall war and mm-hmm. I feel like Palpatine's plan is very well done and I feel like it, he his plan works and I feel like it's very smartly written and it very much parallels some sort of real life things that have happened um but i just feel like as a, as a franchise that's primarily an action adventure for the kids so you're like that is what it is like unless we love star wars and over over analyze it it's just like a a kids franchise thing like that's what it is um so having your first two movies be political discussions on top meaning like overall kind of meaningless missions that are about a planet called naboo in which we have no idea the threat we face because Naboo was just like a lovely looking planet and it looks very nice and that's it. Attack <laughs> um, of the Clones, again, we are just more on about just having some fun and wasting some time learning about clones. <laughs> um, and it doesn't feel like we're fighting any sort of war or we're losing something along the way of the trilogy. It's more just the fact that we are just, just like, I don't know, just talking about the plot instead of having a plot <laughs> um and it's yeah it's weird to have your action saga be so i don't know it's not like propelled forward by actual actions um yeah it's weird i don't like it <laughs> yeah i would feel like there are obviously there are obviously benefits to the prequels there are high points mm-hmm. particularly with phantom menace you know, Jewel of the Fates, it's an excellent thing. Yeah. An excellent fight, even if it is interrupted by Kid Anakin screaming is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately, the reason, like I said before, that it's bottom and Attack of the Clones is higher is I just feel... I feel like Attack of the Clones is... It feels more like a film, if that makes sense. I know, yeah, I know. Like Phantom Men is just because you just do they're just doing things in the first half, seemingly randomly, and there's no real flow or anything. It just feels, I don't know, it just feels odd. Phantom Men to me always feels like I'm reading like a Wikipedia article in the background. Like (laughs) it feels like Anakin was on a Tatooine as a slave boy, and then he got taken from his mother, and then they fought a. Sith guy on a planet called Naboo. Who cares? <laughs> um, sort of thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, my um, number 13 is Phantom Menace. And I feel like I the same points I've been saying for the past half an hour now, <laughs> essentially. Um, I, I mean, if I'm going to comment the movie, I will say that whenever we explore Anakin's dark side, it, in a, Attack of the Clones and this movie, in a sense that we see him lose his mother, um, like going, being teared away from her and then her dying. I do think that for me has always really worked. I feel like for me, Phantom Menace is very much an iffy movie. But whenever we get to Tatooine and we are with Anakin and learning about Anakin and he's being just a nice, lovely kid, like no matter what you think about his acting or whatever, I just feel like he's a very nice, lovely kid. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like seeing him slowly be so hopeful about the galaxy and so like. I want to go to every star in the system and all this sort of stuff. And then he gets to tear away from his mother and is treated like a the obvious next step in his journey. Like a hero's journey of like leave your home behind and go out into the mil- into the world. But it's kind of like the scar that kind of leads to his downfall. It is a really 
I just love that idea a lot. And I think for the most part, it is well handled in The Phantom Menace. Um, mm-hmm. And Revenge of the Sith. I feel like Attack of the Clones is the only one around a bit iffy on the whole thing. Um, but again, Attack of the Clones by Fury Apart, that movie is definitely Anakin and his mother dying. That's definitely my highlight of that movie and his entire Tatooine sequence. Uh, is very much like a highlight of these two first movies. Um, I wish they were just a lot more off that. Like, I wish the entire movie was based around the idea of him slowly getting darker compared to what it is, which is which is the second and the first movie, especially the second, is very much like a plot about clones and an army coming and all this sort of stuff. And then the movie goes, oh, yeah, we need to make sure that Anakin's going to go to the dark side. Um, send him in the Tatooine, kill his mother. All right to Gene Orson battle <laughs> it feels very much like that like I forget by the end of the movie that anything happened with Anakin's mother um, and it's sad because it's the best part of the movie <laughs> to me mm. um, yeah, yeah um, Phantom Menace is everything you've been saying and everything I've been saying but a bit less for me I guess I kind of enjoy it a bit more I think it's a bit less CGI heavy and I feel like it's a bit more practical still and it's a bit more models Um I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't hate Jar Jar. I think he's fine. <laughs> um, he has some annoying parts, definitely, but like, I don't feel like he's the worst thing ever. Um, but yeah. Mm, he's, not, he's nowhere near as bad as people have made him out to be. I Yeah, I always feel like he's he's one of the, he's the biggest example of like telling the audience that this is for kids, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like Star Wars is definitely like a childhood franchise, but um, when you make a character who has literal doo-doo jokes, <laughs> um, it's kind of like, it's literally like kind of like, okay, calm down. Like, like Pixar movies are children movies, but like they can be respected in different ways by adults compared to kids. Um, but when you put in, put in a comedic sidekick that has no sort of character that's doing annoying jokes, jokes in the background it's very much like ah okay this is weird i don't feel like i should be watching this <laughs> sort of thing um but yeah yeah he's fine <laughs> <laughs> do you want to move away from these two now yeah let's <laughs> pull into 12 mm-hmm. um right. what have you got of 12 um this might be very controversial actually this this might be my far from home Oh, uh, no. No, yeah. As long as it's not Empire Strikes Back. No, 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 no. Number 12 for me is Rogue One. I thought it might be. After the reviews, I thought it might be. Yeah, I'm I'm just... I When I first watched this film in 2016, I watched it, I came out and I thought, wow, that was a really good Star Wars story. I'd like the idea of a Star Wars movie that isn't like a grand operatic sort of meaningful saga defining chapter in the story uh, the idea that i watched a movie that was an adventure that happened in the galaxy that happened to happen that we hadn't seen yet um i think my opinion was that it was good i thought it was solid um but i never felt like i wanted to return to the movie very much and then when i did return to the movie like years later and then once again in my rewatch up to episode nine it really just it just drags really hard for me in all the ways I just wish it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very a beautiful movie to look at. I feel like it's 
a highlight of the sequel, not um, the Disney era of Star Wars, and even the originals and prequels. I feel like it's a great. It's like everything you wanted to look like, if that makes sense. Like a what you have in your head is on screen at the moment, sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the last, the last thirty minutes are amazing, like top tier, amazing saga defining like Star Wars stuff. Um, it's just that <laughs> everything else to me is so. I guess the word is flat. Like I don't think I hate it. I just feel very much like unmotivated to feel anything about it. Um, Jin and her dad and Cassian and all the other characters that are in there and do nothing are so, to me, like just nothing characters that experience Cassian and Jin experience like for me at least kind of like very tiny little arcs that are very obviously done and not particularly well done to me. I just feel like it's it's in a very like a really good idea for an arc of like someone who doesn't care about the war becoming the most like the person that's that's gonna lead the child into the final battle sort of thing. Um, I feel that's a very good idea. But it's a weird thing because I don't really understand her backstory. Like she was trained to be a soldier I think she ran away, um, and then she hates the war, and then she gets one message from her dad and goes, we need to take all the chances we can get and go to the planet and destroy the whole thing. <laughs> like, what What happened? Like, you were so against it before. You were so against the entire thing. And it's just like, I need, like, even just one scene of her in between the, the father message and her being all about saving the world and all that. I need, like, one scene, just maybe just one, of her, like, having some sort of grey area of, like, do I, don't I, I've got, I've got to make a choice now or never sort of thing. But, there's, like, the 180 is so off and it tells me that, for the movie that I'm watching, why I don't really connect with it. Because I think that's the main problem here. I don't connect with this movie at all. I just sort of think it's a very good-looking adventure that happened that has a really good ending. Um, and yeah, I just I can't even remember the actual team's name aside from Ginny Cassian. Everyone else to me is a cardboard cut of a character who has a gimmick. They have either a big gun or they're blind and say one line. Um, is there a different guy? Like a there's the big gun guy. There's Cassian Jin. There's someone else, isn't there? <laughs> there's the guy with the stick. Yeah, that's Shinitum. yeah. But isn't there like It's Donnie Yen, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, him. There's someone else, though, isn't there? There's like someone like. It's the robot. And the pilot. The pilot. Oh my god. Yeah, him. Right. Okay. Rook. Right. Brody Rook. (laughs) Yeah. Again, that's the perfect example for me. Is like I bring to my mind the characters in this movie aside from the main two um, and the dad, kind of. and like it's and i've seen this film like three or four times now i've seen this like plenty of times to tell you what every character's name is <laughs> and i just can't it's just it's like a they are they are background material that have a few lines and they don't serve that much of a purpose and i think it's an amazingly beautifully cinematography and scored moment of them all dying for the cause um thing i think that's amazing um but I struggle to feel any sort of strong emotions towards this movie. <laughs> I won't lie, it's so yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this movie? It's a few places higher for me, for me, right. on my list. Um 
I do hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I do get that a lot of them are pretty flat. Um, I think there is depth, or not not depth, but there is growth there for Jin and Cassian, but they just don't do it in any particularly nuanced way. It is they only develop it. In fact, they've, they've set aside key points where it says, and here, this is where she developed. This is where yeah. both of them develop. <laughs> yeah. And they, they both say a line to show that. Mm-hmm. And, and it is definitely an experience film. Y- yeah. It's like a big... Like I love, I adore the last half an hour of it. I think it's fantastic. It's mm-hmm. perhaps the best space battle in this whole Star Wars saga. Yeah. Um. Could. But yeah, I I would I would agree that the characters could be better. I mean, I like them for the the gimmicks that they have, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Um, particularly Cassian and Jin. I also like um, Jin's father. However, I do feel like Mads Mikkelsen slightly wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he would have been perfect for a live action throne. Which is ironic, <laughs> considering his brother voices him. But oh yeah, um, yeah. I think that perhaps the, one of the main reasons I actually like Jin's dad is because it's uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's it. But whereas for you, I do think that for me, there is enough there to carry the film for the first two thirds. Just about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that that's probably where I disagree. I think I think I think there is enough in it, and there is enough nostalgia with Yavin and the just 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 seeing the, the place with all the rebel costumes mm-hmm. for me is enough to it's enough to enjoy me until the final battle. That makes sense. It's enough to entertain me until yeah. you get to the final stage because I also love the sense of doom. Oh yeah. When they so. reach um Scarif. There we go. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I, I also quite like the villain, but again I don't know if that's because I just really like Ben Mendelssohn. Yeah. I I kind of like the villain and I do think like he's a standout kind of a very specific to this movie kind of villain. He's not like a grand master of the Sith or whatever. He's sort of like a, a lowly commander who's just trying to prove himself. I like that idea a lot. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you, the fact that the first two thirds are very much, like, just enough for me to enjoy it. But for me, like, that's the big problem for me. Like, it's, like, just mm. enough. <laughs> it's kind of, like, it's just enough fun. It's just enough character. It's just enough dramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like when people, people in general, I'm not just generalized, it's because if you, if you love this movie and you love this movie, then don't let me tell you anything different. But... I, whenever I hear people, whenever I hear people praise this film as the best one in the Disney era of Star Wars, I always mm. feel like it's kind of like very telling for me, like what you want from this franchise. Um, yeah, yeah, because I heard someone, I can, I went back to like a really old podcast um, from before Force Awakens even came out or anything like that, and um, the main reason people were excited this one over Force Awakens was because it was actually the original trilogy done again like we were seeing that time that era done again in live action just before the events of New Hope um, and whenever I see people compliment this movie it's a lot of like well it's dark and it's it's grimy and it's um it's about the actual soldiers that are doing the war and it's 
but also it's kind of like it's the original trilogy but like not 20 years later this time it's actually the original trilogy like we are moments before the new hope um Darth Vader's in it for a bit and it's like okay and then at the same time they will say like and we're finally going to get the answer and the answer to um how how the Death Star has an obvious flaw in the design and like if you spent any amount of time worrying about how the Death Star had a flaw design, <laughs> I I I can't I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> I know it's not it's not something that you leave the cinema thinking, oh, I have to have that answered. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's an obvious flaw. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, get over it. Like I, for me, when I heard that, like when the dad message like says that is a flaw in the plan and all that, I was like, oh, that's that's cool, that's neat. And for me, mm. that was that was it. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's like it's cool. It's a neat thing that they did. Yeah, they tied it in well. But the fact that people left that movie and for them having this weird question finally answered twenty years later, um, or having seeing Darth Vader just just before A New Hope, or seeing Vader's castle, or seeing um, all these different things from the same time as the original trilogy. It's to me like, well, just watch the original trilogy then, or just look at the Wikipedia and see what the floor was built there for. Like, it's just that to me, and I don't understand how you could love a movie so much on that like premise. Um, and if mm. you do love, I, I don't. It's fine. Like, I don't. I'm. It's a guy on the podcast saying dumb shit about Star Wars, but um, like, I just don't. I don't get it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your next one? Mine number twelve is also an in betweeny film. It's Solo. Mm, okay. Um, I, I feel guilty about putting this twelfth because I think twelve, like that's probably the cutoff point. Because including Solo and Beyond, I do think they are. I do really like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I do, I do really like Solo. Mm-hmm. It's just quite quite low down because it's sort of just an adventure, if that makes sense. It's it's like that thing you were saying about Attack of the Clones. It's very much a, a constant level of fun, but not like this peak of like dual fates or mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think it's good. I think it's a well made film. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I think it's a clever enough script. I like how the final confrontation isn't just a big. Blast a fight. Yeah. You know, it requires some intelligence and it shows uh, Han not necessarily being an absolute mastermind, but it's showing him, you know, being more than just the hotshot, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It, it shows why he su- supposedly is one of the best smugglers. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like it's. It's a big, big fun adventure, and that's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. fun. I enjoy all the characters. I know people went crazy for Donald Glover as Lando, but I'm. I mean, I like I like that version of Lando, but I just it just feels odd to me. <laughs> like like I I, I like the okay. idea of, of seeing how Han met all these people that we see in the original trilogy, but mm. beyond. Introducing him to the Falcon, Lando doesn't really have a purpose in the script at all or in the film. No, no, not really. Um, in fact, it probably does him a disservice in that 
he's just obsessed with the droid. <laughs> yeah. Um, he just sort of feels like a, like a side attraction in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like I said, that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I think I thought Donald Lover was amazing. You know, he's, he's got the charisma there, and he nailed it. It's just for me, certain parts of it felt like, oh, here's a side attraction. Here's here's how this happened. Yeah, a bit, a bit like the the thing about the floor in the Death Star plans. Yeah, it it's... felt kind of. And here's how he got his blaster. And it's... here's how he got the Falcon. <laughs> it's answering this a lot of questions. And over, here's over how again. he got the metal and gold dice, which nobody has ever <laughs> noticed. Nope, never questioned it. Um, yeah, it's, I, I would agree. Like to me, well, it's you know, I mean, I mean sorry, I was going to say I haven't been critical. It sounds like I'm being negative, but I do still really like the film. You know, it's a it's a good adventure. There's charisma there. Yeah. I think Alden Ehrenreich absolutely nails it as Han. I think he nails Harrison Ford's mannerisms perfectly. I would agree. Yeah. I. For me, I think it's a very same thing of like, it's doing the same things as Rogue One are as like answering a lot of questions. He's dealing answers to at all. Like it's how I met Lando. It's how he got a gun and all that. But I feel like for me, this movie has a bit more of a, a solid actual dynamic dynamic between characters going throughout it, um, mm. and like character feels like kind of like the meant to be there for a reason. Um, even even Lando, who yes is a bit kind of like this. This is how he got to meet Lando. And he does have that whole thing of the droid, and does have that whole thing of Han in the in the sort of. Um, the waging bet sort of thing. Like, even if you don't like it, he is there for a reason. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I just feel like it's a way more solid, solid version of Rogue One. So it has the same flaws, but it also has a lot more strengths. Um, no, I'd agree with that. I, that yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. for me, this is uh, my number eleven. Okay. Uh, so, so like, this is in like my from here on out. I like these movies. Um, so like this is my least liked, but still like. If mm. that makes sense. Um, I don't feel the need to come back to this movie anytime soon. I will watch it as part of this, as a marathon, like once a year maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will enjoy it. I will. Again, I I really enjoy Alden Ehrenreich's performance. I feel like people that were, people were definitely going to be always going to be like rough on him about the whole thing you're trying to recreate an iconic performance with a different actor that's always going to go a bit weird um but like for me he does very very well um he's charming but like in, in a different way of like a youthful sort of like anything could happen sort of way compared to the the like cynical Han Solo of the original trilogy mm-hmm. um which I really like and I wish the movie again I, I wish the movie was a bit deeper I wish like I wish there's like was some sort of like Casino Royale to the Han Solo character of like how we got to the point that we all know him to be at. Um, whereas this movie just answers a lot, of, a lot of weird questions and then just kind of goes and a fun adventure <laughs> and that's kind of it. Um, and I honestly, God, I would I would not be at all against the idea of a of a solo two, which could be a thing maybe I've heard. Um, mm. because... yeah, I wouldn't be against that, especially. I know people mentioned it being a Disney Plus series. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great because um, this time around we could get an actual production that went smoothly <laughs> compared to the actual production of this movie. Um, the actual just one directed the entire way. <laughs> um, uh, they could actually have like a 
a new arc, a solid, a really solid arc this time around, instead of answering questions. Um, because because we've got that out, out of the way now, and we can't really go yeah, back yeah. and answer, answer the same questions. Um, freed from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love a lot of the sequences in this movie. I think whenever this movie goes into action gear, it's very much like, oh, this is this full on this wacky Star Wars fun. Like when we're doing the Kessel Run, it's so like, oh, we're just doing everything at once here. <laughs> like we're fighting a space octopus demon in the middle in the middle of space <laughs> with a wormhole and a big star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is like just really cool, and I really just enjoy it for that pure pulp fun sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I've really got for that. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those movies where it's kind of like it's just really good fun. <laughs> hmm. Shall I do my number eleven? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe this is controversial. In fact. If there's anybody uh, of the sort of new wave or the ones that tend aren't like find on Instagram that uh, tend to love the prequels will will hate me for this. My number eleven is Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> right. Um, again, it's a case of I like the film. Mm-hmm. It's just lower because I like the others more. Mm-hmm. Um. Revenge is just a big meaty one. It's a big meaty topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot happens. Yeah. You have a lot happens. It's probably gifted as the most memes out of all the <laughs> yeah. prequel films. We Hello have there. the Senate. We have Hello There. We have He's Too Dangerous to Be Left Alive. We have, we have so <laughs> many. So many Stop. wonderful memes. Take a seat. Um, but putting that aside I feel like it's definitely the most emotional of the prequel films Mm. and I think it handles what it handles really well is the idea that everything has fallen apart Mm -hmm. there is a definite sense of defeat but also what helps make that so saddening is that there's the hope of victory before the defeat yeah which again, you, you hear, you feel more effectively in the Clone Wars finale, but you definitely do get the sense here. It is more more of a direct way that you feel it, mm-hmm. and it's more of yeah. an on the nose thing. It's definitely more personal in this one. Mm. Like you, you, you actually seeing the fall, and I think that this is the best version of Anakin we see in the prequel films. <laughs> definitely. Um. You feel like why he's doing what he's doing. He has pretty clear motives here, and you can you can understand him like falling away. And like I feel like um, I feel like Hayden Christensen doesn't get enough credit as Anakin, mm-hmm. mainly because of how difficult and how awkward the romance is. Like he said in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. and how his 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 line delivery doesn't make it better, but his Line delivery isn't the problem. Yeah, it's... in those films. However, I do feel like you should give him a lot of credit for the scene, the scene where Anakin stops Mace Windu from killing Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's Anakin's best moment in the films, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's 
like him him thing. him stopping Windu and then the way he just falls to his knees. Yeah, it's his it's, weakest point in the film. Yeah, like, and just the facial expression, the way he looks at Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel at that moment I just feel as you should the sense of defeat that comes from that. Yeah. Um, um Obi-Wan's great in this, I think. Mm-hmm. He he goes from Phantom Menace basically not being there to Attack of the Clones having an arc but doesn't really get affected by it. Mm. To in this one actually having an arc and being affected by it. Yeah. Um Yeah, if like they've finally got the grasp on how to handle Obi-Wan. You and McGregor's great. As such, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, the CGI feels like looks a lot better in this one. Mm, much better, yeah. Like I, I watch this now and I think this could have been released a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, especially it's... the the space battle, which is arguably one of one of, one of Star Wars' best openings. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's probably I... just edged by the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, another another sense that would infuriate Lee. Yeah, everyone hates us now. would <laughs> <laughs> be hated by the prequel prequel fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's the best looking prequel. I would agree. Yeah. Even if there are a lot of things in there which feel like, oh George, <laughs> stop! <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to do I, that, but you've done it anyway. It's very good for the most part CGI it's just the fact that there's, it's the same problem of like it's just it's all CGI at all times <laughs> and mm. for no reason like, um, why Why are the clones CGI? I've got no idea Why? Just, just, just all just, the things you can make why not that? <laughs> you've, made, you've made all these wonderful sets you've made all these wonderful costumes mm-hmm. just make some armour 20 years ago you made so many different armours as well <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I, I don't need them all to be armoured when they're all running into battle. Yeah. I just, like, like for example, the scene where Bail Organa's on that little balcony thing, mm. and he sees that little kid Jedi be shot down, and the stormtroopers trying to leave. There's like five stormtroopers. Yeah. Just put some people in costumes. There's five, like, you, you, oh my god, yeah, it's, it's confusing how bad it is. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. or even even like put like do what they do with Cody in that he's like Tamara Morrison with his helmet off he's stood there and you've clearly like put the CGI around him. Yeah. But for most of the case it just looks like they're not there. <laughs> I remember and I was very much a telling moment because it was the first time I watched these films with my parents and it was we were watching uh, episode three and I was a f- I, my parents aren't really like a, they don't really say oh that's some bad VFX or whatever they don't really care about that um, first time ever in my 20 year experience of life my parents ever said oh that's that's not good <laughs> like that's a, the first time ever was like when um, Cordy has his helmet off and he's handing the lightsaber to Obi- Obi-Wan like they literally went oh my god that's not good <laughs> I was like yeah it's not good why are they doing it I don't know um, yeah, it's just overuse for no reason, but it's much better overall, at least here, than it was last time around. Mm, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we joke about that, but it is better. Yeah, like I said, it's the best looking prequel, I think. Um, also, some of the better lightsaber fights, yeah. However, 
the while, while I do like Obi-Wan versus Anakin at the end, and there's a lot of emotion there, it does go on for a bit. It goes on forever. <laughs> and they're doing so many wacky things by the end. Like, <laughs> Look at me, swing, 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 swing. I uh, I was so um, I feel like it's a very well choreographed entire like fight sequence sort of thing. Mm. Um, and for the most part, like very clearly shot and like well kind of done in a sense. It's just the fact that like it's a very personal thing of like two best friends fighting each other for, to the death, um, and then like they're doing like a walk the plank above lava and then lava's falling on them and then they're like doing like a jack sparrow kind of um swinging swinging on swinging on um these little wire things and doing like random clashes of the lightsaber in midair and then they're going to drown in lava but then he's going to do a big 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 old cgi jump over the lava (laughs) Um, and there's so many moments of like why are we doing all of this (laughs) like do you like a really personal fight on like one like Ryan Skywalker, for example, do very much a very personal, but yes, very well choreographed, flashy sort of fight. But it's on like one location, and we move from left to right instead of just doing this whole front flip over a lava thing and then wire swinging and then all this. It's like mm-hmm. why it takes away from the emotion so much when you're going, oh my god, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a weird choice that I. I kind of respect it for being, like, so outlandish, but, like, this is the end of the trilogy, and, like, these people, these best friends are fighting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird, but I kind of like it. Mm. Also, music's great. I feel like mm. I haven't said that enough yeah. for the prequel films, but music is amazing in all of them. It's a high point. I, I like, Literally right now, I can hear the, the, the Anakin versus Obi-Wan music. Battle of the that. Heroes. Yeah, that. Du, 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 du. Uh, no, no, cut that. Cut that. Get out of there. <laughs> I'm not finishing that. That was, um, well, wow. <laughs> please, please uh, remove that from your memory. Post it on Instagram right now. <laughs> <laughs> nope, never doing that again. Du, Note du. yourself, never attempt to mimic music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, overall, I think this is a. This is the strongest peak role for many reasons, in the sense that it's, and I would say it's an actual movie, like a like it's a narrative that goes from A to B, and mm. <laughs> it's happened that are quite dramatic, and you know, yeah, it's a, a movie that's very solid and surprisingly quite affecting, even though it hasn't hasn't done a lot of the groundwork that it should have, should have done, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's very. It's much better structured. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of structure as it is, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate the fact that there is a little bit more in this one. It feels like an actual, like one arc, two arc, three arc story <laughs> sort of thing. Compared mm-hmm. to Phantom Menace, which is just more like just going from one place to the next and then seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my number uh, 10 is Revenge of the Sith. So, same movie, essentially. <laughs> Mine's mm-hmm. one higher than yours, I think. Number Sorry? 10. Is mine uh, one higher than yours? Yes, number 10. Is one higher. All right. Yeah, I feel like, for me, this is, this is just easily kind of the... It's... I don't know, it's 
it's kind of weird because it's like really emotionally like kind of affecting the last hour of this movie. Um, so much sadness and so much like just pure defeat. Um, and I feel like it was. It reminds me a lot of um, the Rise of Skywalker or even Return of the Jedi, of like a solid third part to it. But I feel like the problems that I kind of excuse with Return of the Jedi or Rise of Skywalker are kind of like somewhat inexcusable here because the previous two movies didn't do the groundwork as well as the other trilogies have. Mm-hmm. So like in this movie, in this movie, when I'm like, oh, I wish everyone did a bit, bit more. It's a lot more kind of annoying because he's never been used well in the entire trilogy compared to Finn in Rise of Skywalker, where I wish I wish he had more to do, but he's had two movies of him having being the central sort of character for the most part, doing an, an actual arc and story. Um, or Han and Leia, even them two in Return of Jedi, they do a lot of stuff in the previous two movies, and I believe the payoff in this movie. Um, but Rise of the Sith is like, oh, I have some problems here, but I wish I could excuse him, but I can't because the groundwork just isn't there for it <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as much as I am heartbroken by the Anakin and Padme, like exp- the whole, um, the end of their relationship, it's kind of like I wish I kind of liked them more to begin with. <laughs> to be honest, mm-hmm. I wish they were an actually well like compelling couple like they not only were cute and romantic together but they were also kind of like they helped each other through tough times and stuff like that um mm-hmm. yeah but, yeah the, in revenge of the Sith, the problems you you feel them more because you've experienced them a lot in the previous two mm-hmm. yeah and yeah overall i think it's just like a it, again we were saying before that um, this trilogy should have been the the Clone Wars, and the fact that this movie is kind of like it's kind of like if this movie was the finale to two movies that were about the Clone Wars, it wouldn't be that much different because this is the end of the Clone Wars still. Mm, so it's kind yeah. of this is the first time we had what was in our mind, and what makes kind of a lot more sense for your action franchise to be the actual ending of the movie. Um, so I feel like that was the first time we since episode six felt like oh this is actually kind of a star wars movie <laughs> um compared to episode one and two which is kind of like a different kind of vibe the entire way through um but yeah i feel like this is a it's generally like a heartbreaking movie and it's very well done for the most part it's just got a lot of the same problems that the prequels always have which is very much a, a very flat sort of visual style um cgi overload Obi-Wan's doing nothing. The Jedi are so, like, vapid of personality. Um, and the cl- lines are quite clunky. But, like, I think it's a testament to what, like, the actors are performing it and the overall kind of... Um, this sense of, like, doom of this movie is so big that it's kind of like, oh, but I kind of love it. <laughs> sort of, like, it's got a lot of problems, but it's kind of like, oh, but you've achieved something under all those problems somehow. Um and I guess um, yeah I wish it was better but I like it a lot yeah same yeah um, basically sort of round off these the five films we've covered so far my number 10 is Rogue One right okay um, my criticisms my criticisms of it they're basically the same as yours mm-hmm. like the characters are pretty flat um, 
But for me, I just feel like I feel like there's enough there for me. Maybe maybe more so than than you, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Like I get I get I get why for you it's more of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I, I mainly it's a little bit higher for me because I I just love the final final half an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a really great, really great bit of bit of Star Wars, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does sort of exist in isolation because it hasn't been built up particularly well. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if if you didn't have the original trilogy, I don't think you'd feel the ending anywhere near as much. Yeah, definitely. Um, but bits of Vader, perhaps unnecessary, but I'll take them. <laughs> At the end of yeah. the day, they're glorious Darth Vader, so I'm going to take him and enjoy him. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really I really enjoyed it. I think it also has it has it has a really good original trilogy film. While that's not always what I look for, I do get a little bit of a buzz from the nostalgia that's there. Mm-hmm. While yeah. while like you said, I, I'm not one of those people that would go into it thinking finally more original trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a a side attraction on it. If that mm. makes sense. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it's. I want to say it's fun, but it's also not fun because everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, everyone kind of like disintegrates at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah. it's a good film. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's a, a weird experience. All, yeah, overall, because it's just middle torn sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, so I move on to my number. Yeah, number ten. Number. Number nine? Number ten? Number nine. I'm at nine. Yeah. My number nine, um, our first TV show, um, is The Mandalorian. Same here. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Bingo! So I, feel like, I feel like we're both on the same wavelength of this is a very good show, but we wish it was like mind-breakingly like good, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, that does seem to be what we're getting. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about doing this now is the fact that we are one episode into Mandalorian season two, and so far, that's amazing. <laughs> that I, I, I would say that maybe in if you give it, give it um, until Christmas, our ranking could be different. <laughs> it, it could be. Um, it could be several yeah, places I, higher. Yeah, it could be. I hope it is. Uh, um, for me, basing off largely the first season, I enjoy the show a lot. I think it does a lot of good world building and a lot of good character motivations and kind of solid enough arcs. I feel like it's not it's not boiled down enough to the point of like this is very much a character centric show. It's more kind of a, I guess what we decorate Star Wars in sort of, sort of thing of like it's a Mandalorian and it's an X-wing and it's a different this thing and that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all use well. I don't think they ever use for nostalgia purposes really that much, but um, for the most part, for me, it's very much a show that is the decoration of Star Wars and not what makes Star Wars great to begin with. Like the actual sort of thematic, the thematic meaning or like the characters or the arcs or the, the lovable side sidekicks or whatever, but. Um, um but yeah i feel like this movie this uh, this tv show so far season one i'm talking is very uh, it's solid and it's 
has a really nice ending and I feel like that's why I want the show to go into from now on and I feel like season two episode one so far has been a really big upgrade I would say um just in the sense of like just runtime I think it's allowed to, allowed to breathe more um yes it is much better with a longer episode yeah it feels a bit more grand in that sense of feeling that like it's still very much adventure of the week sort of episoding but having 55 minutes compared to half an hour is so much different it feels like I'm watching an actual like chapter compared to a few pages if that makes sense um mm. and yeah I kind of yeah I'm really looking forward to the future of this show and I think it could get it could get amazingly better I think it could like it has potential to be that good but so far it's very much just basic Star Wars if that makes sense it, like it's kind of like just very good solid fun cool Star Wars mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. yeah would you agree I yeah I, th- I think it's I think it's great I think the first season's pretty great um it gives a real buzz that the, the other ones below it don't always do mm-hmm. like for example I remember when I first watched the the first series the first season the when the Mandalorians help Mando escape the town mm-hmm. from the guild like for me after that episode I was on such a high yeah, um, just give, give give me a real real buzz about it. I think it's a great show. Like you say, it's a great starting point. I feel like most of this is the show's best parts are to come. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's... and often often when you say that, it feels like you're sort of dismissing the first season, mm-hmm. which I don't mean to because I think on its own, I think it, it is it is still great. Mm-hmm. I think it does a lot of good groundwork. Um, but it's just it's as as a as a show with multiple seasons that it will achieve its greatness if that makes sense. It'll get there. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's yeah. true potential lies in what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first episode of season two is proving that. Yeah, what a great is. episode! And something that something I said to you last night is that there is even with that episode there is a real sense of building something. Yeah, even though it's still a fun side quest, it feels like we're going somewhere, like we're doing mm. something big. Um, like, like, it feels to me like they're building a team of Mando's friends, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you can feel at some point there being an occasion where everybody has to get together and fight together. Because mm-hmm. at the moment you have they have Mando, you have Cara Dune, you have Grief Karga, and now you have Cobb Vance. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I uh, suppose is a spoiler. I probably should have said spoiler warning. And it's not a massive spoiler. What I'm uh, about to say is a major spoiler. Yeah. Big, kind of big one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, major spoiler warning. Obviously, Boba Fett's there as well. Yeah. Which it, it feels really weird to me to have final confirmation that Boba Fett is alive. Yeah. Live action. Because it's felt for so long like. Especially since <laughs> the canon reset from Disney. Yeah. Is Boba Fett alive? Is he not? There's a the reference to the armor in the Aftermath books, but is mm. he really alive? Yeah. Um, and even yeah. even seeing Cobb Vanth wearing Boba Fett's armor, there's still an aspect of, is he alive? <laughs> yeah. I uh, When I saw that, like my theory on that was going to be that I think they said that the the big 
dragon worm thing at the Sarlacc pit. Yes, which, they do. Which, which is weird. Me, yeah, I know. <laughs> For me, I was thinking the idea that Mandor was going to blow it up, and then out of the chest of the big snake thing was going to be the man. If it was going to be Boba Fett, um, he's going to be like still be in there. Um, but instead, he's he's just staring at twin sons, looking real cool. As is, people do on Tatooine. Yeah, uh, you have to at some point. Um, <laughs> I feel like the moment he turned around, it was just like a. This it, is a good episode, and I feel like that's the main thing about it was the fact that I didn't need that to happen. There was like nothing in my soul saying, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be disappointed by this episode. It was like already a great episode that I was going to be like, even without this element, I was going to say to you that like, I'm so excited for this season. I think it's going to be much better than the first one. I think it's going to be a real step forward. But the fact that it is there and it could be something going forward is just really cool. Like, <laughs> so good. Um, and yeah, I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> Yeah, especially against like in the past, we've we've joked about how Boba Fett's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even then, it's still cool to see him. Yeah, definitely. and they still want him to do some badass stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was saying to you before that I've always thought Boba Fett was really kind of like a a flat kind of just a cool surface surface uh, surface level character who was kind of dumb. I didn't really understand the hype around him. But today, or like yesterday, after seeing an episode, I looked at my, I kind of like by chance caught uh, my Empire Strikes Back poster, and I looked at Boba Fett and was like, oh, he's so cool. <laughs> For the first time in 20 years. First time in 20 years, I was like, oh, he's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of get it. Um, it's because he's back now, I guess. The hype is there for him to be like an actual character, maybe, which is going to be interesting, maybe. Mm, I mean, they, they, they do seem to be building up to be that. Yeah. I, I just hope that, like, going forward they just go deeper and just have a lot of fun with it and just make these characters become actual characters beyond just a cool person wearing armor sort of thing um mm. but yeah i think this is my biggest sort of like hope for this series is kind of like it's good so far but i want it to be great and so far it could be great because of season two um yeah definitely yeah oh I just get so excited talking about Mandu. Yeah. <laughs> it's current as well, like a modern thing. <laughs> I know. There's just such an excitement about, around it, which mm. is honestly great. It's great to have a Star Wars thing where everybody is so excited. Yeah. It's how fr- it should be. Friday, yeah. Every Friday, like it's kind of like a cool little... Ah, uh, we're excited about this one thing it's at least. Mando Day. <laughs> yeah, it's Mando <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want to move on? Yeah, number eight, which is sort of the final one of this part. Yeah. Um, me first, or? You can do. Uh, my number eight is Rebels, the TV show. Oh, smack bang the same again. Hey, there we go. Right. Okay, so my opinion on the on the show overall is that I think it's very, very good. I enjoy a lot of the little episodes and a lot of the arcs and a lot of... I really like Ezra and Kanan out there, like relationship a lot. I like the use of Inquisitors as a main enemy in the first couple seasons. Again, similar to Mandalorian, I guess I kind of I really like the idea that they had the first season be, be a, a groundwork season, and then had season two be kind of like a everyone coming together sort of thing. Um, mm. And I feel like it worked enough to like be actual good storytelling. <laughs> yeah, um, the first season is very much, I suppose, in a similar 
more perhaps more effective way, but in a similar way to Clone Wars, mm-hmm. the first season is very kid friendly. Yeah. Also, a bit adventure of the week type thing. Yeah. Just getting to know the characters. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like seeing if it will work to begin with, like sort of thing. <laughs> Season one, mm. um, but going forward, I think it gets it gets way more deeper and kind of a bit more, it kind of a bit more like ethereal as well. I kind of like the idea that they introduce a lot of mystical elements, kind of in this show. Um, the big one being that they introduce a form of time travel, kind of ish, in um. <sighs> the last season which can always go a bit bit wrong but we'll see uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just yeah Playing with fire. Yeah, yeah i feel like when you write down time travel in any sort of franchise or any sort of movie you'll you'll all pick up a box of worms <laughs> yeah. like things go really wrong here. um but yeah i feel like yeah, it's a show that I really like the characters, I really like the little arc, I like Hera, I like Sabine, um, I like all, I like, um, Kallus, is that his name? Or, um, the Empire, sort of like, yeah, yeah, him. Um, again, I think it's a really, really good, I just feel like in comparison to, uh, like, uh, the Clone Wars or, or, or Return of the Jedi or something like that, it's kind of like a bit, a bit too friendly if that makes sense it's kind of a bit too i don't know like we're just doing having fun in the universe and every once in a while we'll have a really cool idea to have like an actual character defining sort of arc sort of thing um and when it does do those things it's great but it's just the fact that it's a lot of middle ground sometimes of just like we're just buying time <laughs> sort of thing but yeah and again similar thing of like when it introduces when it introduces the old characters, it becomes it is very very well handled, and I feel like the highlight being is the Kenobi, which is the ending of the the saga of Darth Maul and Obi Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. um, and it's done insanely well, um, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I I really like Rebels. Mm-hmm. It was something that it's one of the things where. We're watching all the Star Wars mediums, like the films, and it's something that sort of slipped under the radar for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was probably a bit too old at the time to be watching Cartoon Network. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wasn't. However, I knew most of the stuff that happened. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like That's I true. knew about um, is it Malakor? Yeah, yeah. Um, that sort of thing, and about Darth Maul being there before I went in. Mm-hmm. But even like watching it, I did really enjoy it. I feel like the first season is pretty. It's pretty bog standard stuff. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it's very much we just getting to know these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really until you reach the finale of the first season mm-hmm. where it really it really starts to kick into gear. Yeah, like I think I think is Kanan get captured. Yeah, there's a lot of just. Fundamental status quo sort of shifting things that are kind of nice to see. <laughs> yeah, like some of the rebellion come together already, and you really one of the things that I think this showed us really well is it shows the develop of the rebellion. Yeah, like I feel like the way it builds it up, it does it quite effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 like introducing familiar locations like Yavin. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't do it all big and bold like oh my god it's Yavin that's the entire episode now mm-hmm. it it's there but it feels like it's there with a bit of purpose and you've got Saw Gerrera in there as well mm-hmm. yeah, I, no, I, I, I was not expecting it's kind of like a a, a weird one for me for me actually like, I forget like he's an actual character sometimes <laughs> um, yeah mm. I also found it really weird I mean I know it's Clone Wars but I found it really weird finding out that Saul Guerrero existed in Star Wars before Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? I always yeah. thought that, I always thought that everything was built retroactively since his appearance with um Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One. But he has like, like a he's in one of the rebellion arcs in Clone Wars. Oh my god, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it ends well as well. Like it really ends like a, in a very well way. Um, so yeah, like it, it manages to have quite a concrete ending. Because one of the struggles you would have if if you thought about it with that show is that they're rebels against the Empire, but mm-hmm. they can't defeat the Empire because yeah. that didn't happen for another five years or something mm-hmm. um but i feel like with them defending lafal mm-hmm. and defeating thrawn you have you have a really effective way of doing that while also having a pretty it's weird that having such like a cliffhanger-ish yeah ending is still so satisfying yeah it's kind of like you can go anywhere from here and we'll see <laughs> mm, yeah um I was going to say, one of the the happiest things for me while watching Rebels was learning about, like, Rex. Mm, And Rex being like, oh, my God, he was on Endor. Mm. Like, because that's what Sabine says at the end. Oh, it makes me feel so happy. He was doing stuff. (laughs) Like, I can just imagine the conversation, like, because obviously all the ground troops on Endor had to go in the same shuttle. So I can Mm. just imagine them being in the shuttle, like, Luke and Leia talking to Rex. Oh my god. Like imagine yeah. that conversation. Jesus Christ, yeah. That's so oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. I need that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not right, look. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it makes me feel a little warm thinking maybe hearing Rex, if he did talk to Rex and if Rex told him about Anakin, maybe part of that helped him conclude that part of him needs to be saved if that makes sense oh my god yeah that would be incredible <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of headcanon yeah but it just it just it's just nice something that is cool and nice <laughs> uh, uh, i feel like a big criticism that people often point towards and i would for the most part kind of agree i do think that the animation is kind of a bit iffy a lot of the time yeah uh, it's, not great. it's it's not terrible, but it's just kind of like the most bland version of itself, if that makes... It's kind of like a... It's just, you know... I don't know. It's just kind of like really bland models. Um, look like toys sometimes. Um, there's no real like artistic liberties on like, well, how they're going to portray anything. It's kind of this very straightforward, very realistic cartoon, if that makes sense, sort of mm-hmm. thing of like just recreate a person but as a cartoon in a cartoon world with any no sort of like mm-hmm. i don't know like clone war style kind of like weird like puppet sort of imagery or anything like that it's sort yeah. of just 
animation for Disney. Yeah, I feel like it's not so bad on the original characters, like the the crew of the ghosts. I feel like it's fine. Yeah. It, you notice it a lot more when you see particularly characters that are in the Clone Wars. Yeah, like, like you see Yoda, and it's sort of it's, uh, the years have not been kind to you. I've <laughs> seen Anakin as well. Was kind of weird. Mm, yeah, yeah. He, Anakin especially. The Anakin one looks weird. It's yeah. It's like a not. It's not him <laughs> at all. Mm. Um, yeah. It's although I did quite like Vader. I like the thin design. Like the, like the, also lightsabers being really like, like thin and like. It's yeah, weird, I love but... that. That's probably, that's probably the, the major plus for me. Yeah. Probably the only real plus for me with the animation style. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it is, I think I think I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I think that Rebels had a really small budget. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So oh. you know, it's kind of play a part into it. Yeah. Um, it, and also, it did it did help them develop the better animation style for Clone Wars. I think mm, yeah. it helped them I develop think, the depth or something. Yeah, because it's very this show was very simply animated. And I feel like as it goes on, and then for and then going to Clone Wars, it becomes a bit more like they know what they're doing so well now that they can do with, um, and kind of add a lot more texture and kind of. A lot more lighting and different sort of things compared to, especially because season one is very flat. The entire show just looks very muted mm. color palette the entire way through, um, despite the fact that they're in space sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a weird looking show, but I feel like the characters are there, are there enough to be the saving grace of it all. Um, mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, also, one of the things I like to talk about is. Um... I've developed a bit of a, a bit of a thing for Throne. For us, for Rebels and 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 other things as well. But I think as a villain, I'm so glad that he's in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mainly because obviously he's great in Rebels, but mainly also because of what could happen. Mm-hmm. Like I have made, I made a post on the Instagram account um, that I think Throne could be. Something of a Thanos for Marvel for, for Star Wars even like a big bad, yeah. Especially if like if you're doing like a if you're doing more of like a low key TV universe, which they seem to be doing. Mm-hmm. If rumors about Ahsoka are true and all that, because um, there all, have also been rumblings of an Ezra, a live action Ezra centered thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I love Thrawn and. One of the thing, one of the one of the things that always stand out for me from Rebels, thinking about is, I I I just for some reason, the final interaction between Ezra and Thrawn. For <laughs> some reason, it's just one of it's one of my favorite in Star Wars. It is, yeah. yeah. It's just that because they use them light speed squid things, <laughs> light speed uh, whale squids. I love this franchise so much. <laughs> <laughs> Lightspeed squid whales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, God. like when they when they attach the ship, I just love like Thrawn's last line is um he says, Whatever happens next happens to both of us. I love that. I don't know why. <laughs> I just think it's such a cool line. Yeah. And like, we'll it, just, see what it just seems like a 
like a boring observation, but just in Throne's voice, like the calm, yes. methodical voice of Throne. It's yeah. just. Did you see yeah. that uh, artwork or stuff like that about uh, Pierce Brosnan as Throne? Oh, no, I haven't. Pierce it, Brosnan? Yeah, they did a. I think it was some sort of convention, like an actual Disney commissioned convention thing, and it had like a big like artwork on like the main like entrance. And it was like the entire saga, everyone, every character, like in artwork form. And at the end, like in the Rebel section, they had Thrawn there, but he was like definitely Pierce Brosnan. Weird, so weird. Oh yeah, but, yeah. That's oh, that that is definitely Pierce Brosnan. It's too big of a mistake to do to do by accident, surely. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah, I don't understand how that happened or what it means, but. Just interesting the idea, <laughs> and it's weird considering, like in the show, Thrawn looks nothing like Pierce Brosnan. Nothing like him, <laughs> especially like nowadays, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> which is like a grey mustache man. Mm. It's even the hair as well, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all weird, but we'll see. <laughs> I'd be a Mandalorian. If that would happen, I would lose my shit. That would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, it would be great. Uh, are we done? I think we are. Oh, okay. So that's our bottom half, which it feels insulting saying bottom half when we love most of the things that's in there. <laughs> 11 upwards for me. Yes, I like this. At the, very least, at the very least, I like this a bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to recap 14 to, uh, 14 to 8? Uh, yeah, so my 14th is Attack of the Clones, then Phantom Menace, then Rogue One, then Solo, then Revenge of the Shift, uh, then The Mandalorian, and then Rebels. That's it. Uh, mine is 14 Phantom Menace, 13 Attack of the Clones, 12 Solo, 11 Revenge of the Sith, 10 Rogue One, Nine Mandalorian season one, eight Rebels. Mm-hmm. Right, kind of the same here. Very similar. In fact, I think we could like the same things, just in a slightly different order. Yeah. We might have a few differences when it comes to the top half. I think we might. Yeah, because I have very controversial. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the good news is it probably won't be as controversial next week because we probably lost all the sequel haters. <laughs> yeah. Through it's this your, episode. It's the one comment we made about the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, when I say when I said the last Jedi introduction edges the Avengers of the Sith one, mm-hmm. I could just feel people clicking off. <laughs> people hate hate us now. <laughs> so yeah. Um, we hope you've enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I have been your co-host Matthew. I have been your co-host Henry. Uh, if you want to see more from us, we've got some reviews. We've got some Halloween reviews. Good stuff. Spooky. Yes. Although by the time you hear this, Halloween will be over. So maybe you won't care. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but go check us out on Instagram at Marvelous in the Podcast and also on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We've certainly enjoyed doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bye. Bye.